Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of iZombie Radio, your source for everything iZombie. I am one of your hosts, Blaze Hopkins, and I am here with, unfortunately, only one of my co-hosts, Sean Carpenter. How's it going, Sean? Wait, there's only one of us here? You didn't clone yourself this time? Yeah, I did not, unfortunately. Dang it. (laughs) I'm doing all right. It's warming up here in Southern California, so I'm currently baking like a honey-baked ham in my bedroom, so (laughs) that's always fun. And it's just been, it's been going. I'm just getting, getting stuff done. Yeah, I feel that. Me, me as well. It is also hot out here on the East Coast in Pennsylvania. It's been a nice, like, 85, but we're at least getting, like, some rain out here, you know, that kind of breaks things up. Um, but when it gets humid and hits kind of like midday, it's been pretty rough, so. Yep. And, um... Unfortunately, Chris cannot join us tonight. Um, he is down in Florida because his brother is getting married. So um, he's he's gallivanting around. There. Yeah, he uh, just got down there today, and they're sort of doing uh, dinner right now and everything. And he's just uh, preoccupied with you know much more important things to celebrate right now. So um, he will be back next week, I think. Um, I forget, but. Yeah, you know, we're going to miss He better be. I know, gonna I drag know. It, I'm going to drag his ass to his computer I, and be like, you're doing this right now. <laughs> I know. We need him for the finale. I mean, um, it definitely stinks because this is, things are only getting better. and uh, It's the pre-finale. <laughs> yeah. So we miss you, Chris, but uh, we're looking forward to getting you back. Um, but there's a lot to talk about, so I'm pretty much ready to jump into this uh, regardless. Um couple of little news tidbits this week. Um, the biggest thing is that Rose McIver was nominated for a Teen Choice Award, um, specifically the Choice Comedy TV Actress, so that's awesome for her. I'm glad that she's at least getting recognized for her work on this show in some capacity, and uh, everybody should go vote for her. Let's get this show kind of larger than it already is and, you know, just make more people aware of it, so... Go Rose. I will say who they have for choice drama TV actress. There's like everyone's from Pretty Little Liars except or yeah, Pretty Little Liars except for like one person. Oh really? And it, none of them are Riverdale. None. Huh. Well, choice drama actor, however, go vote Cole Sprouse. Jughead <laughs> oh, nice. for the win. Yeah, but so I mean you can check out that. I mean we are part of the DC podcast TV podcast network, so I know just been seeing from Twitter and seeing where some of those other award uh, nominees pop up. There's a ton of the actors and actresses, as Sean just mentioned. You know, some Riverdale in there, but um, I know there's one category that's pretty much like everybody from it's Flash all and then, like superheroes. The yeah, right. So it's literally all superheroes, including Agents of Shield. It, yeah. It's insane. Uh, the sci-fi actress category, I think, is mostly just The Flash with one Arrow, one Supergirl, and Legends of Tomorrow. So it's two Flash. Oh, okay. That's, with, um, yeah, I think I did see that one. Yeah, with um, Candace and... Uh, 
Danielle. I was like trying to remember their actual names. <laughs> Brain hurts right now. Um, but yeah, just go, go vote. Power Rangers is up for a lot of things as well. Just oh, go, yeah. go vote for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and other, something else to, I guess, make note of is, um, this week, um, earlier this week, I guess on Monday, the 19th, uh, Malcolm Goodwin appeared on Whose Line Is It Anyway? So I unfortunately didn't, I saw the previews and it looked funny, but I didn't get to catch the actual episode. Um, I might if I have some free time, but yeah, you can go catch that on the app. Um, I'm sure also on CW's website or, um, anywhere for download, but yeah, I mean, I think it would be pretty fun to watch him, you know, do some improv comedy and uh, flex those chops. But, yeah, if you're looking for, you know, this cast in other mediums, that's uh, one place to find him. And lastly, just another reminder that the third season of iZombie will be up on Netflix starting July 5th. So, if for some reason you can't watch the finale um it'll be up pretty quickly and uh yeah otherwise seasons one two and three will be available for rewatch in that awesome uh, deal the cw has going with netflix so it's brilliant yeah. it's bloody brilliant yeah no it's honestly it's the best thing ever i i don't think i would have prioritized catching up with things you know, on that channel compared to some other shows that I needed to watch or wanted to watch. Um, but the convenience of being able to access them pretty much on anything through Netflix is has bumped them up on my priority list. So, Yeah, I mean, I can actually go watch Supernatural if I so please. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's just another good outlet. But, um, but that's the those are the little tidbits of news we have this week. Otherwise, I think uh, Sean and I are about to dive into this discussion. So, uh, last night, we got the penultimate episode of Season 3, which was uh, Episode 12, I believe. All right, 13 looking, is the... Uh, yeah, Looking for Mr. Goodbrain Part 1. Yeah. I believe is the title of the episode. Yeah, and so a ton happened in this episode. Obviously, you know... The show has just been almost off the rails at this point because, as we've discussed before, kind of season four was up in the air, so it, it felt like a lot of what they're doing in this season is uh, a place that they could have possibly ended the show or at least uh, really escalated it to a point to, I don't even know, provide some type of closure. We'll see next week, but um, it just keeps getting better and better. And so I want to, because of how much happens in this episode, I want to sort of kick things off, Sean, with uh, talking about the brain, because <laughs> it was—it's pretty. It was as for as funny as it was. I thought it was a pretty interesting brain. Um, it, so it definitely was, and it got wrote. I mean, it got um, live into so so many shenanigans. Yeah. And, and we'll probably continue into next week because I'm pretty sure next week picks up right after the whole incident at the end. Yeah, I imagine it has to. But so she, um, Liv, basically in this episode, eats the brain of Ravi's old CDC boss, uh, Caddy, who... Caddy Cups. 
Yes, who unfortunately uh, meets her demise in an alleyway next to a dumpster. And, uh... Well, no, I, no, no. They, they found that her body was moved. Yeah, I know. But... After the fact. <laughs> um, but basically, that's kind of a little unfortunate of an end, to just be tossed and moved to an alleyway like that. And I thought this was a really interesting brain, because I don't even know what you would call this brain, necessarily. Um... Uh, like, do you have any words for it? Um, I feel like there's a lot of crude words I could use, but I don't think they're totally accurate or fair in, I guess, how I like what this brain really brings to the table. Hookup culture brain. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's honestly, the only that's, word that's I probably, have for it. Yeah, I think that's the easiest way to put it. Sort of, uh, yeah, like a single woman hookup brain or something like that. Um, but essentially this brain causes Liv to get a, you know, we already know she's normally hungry for brains, but this kind of makes her hungry for some, uh, some sex this episode. And, uh, still not as much as horny librarian brain. Very true. But, uh, (laughs) but I think, I know you're probably going to have a ball with this. So the best part about this brain hands down is, uh, she gets these visions of, uh, Cat, Caddy when she was intimate with Ravi. Oh god, it was some of the most <laughs> awkward scenes ever, but I could not stop laughing every single time. Yeah, I'm I... just really glad her brain was not dunked in blue juice. <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, what if it was in, what if it was extra soaked in Blaine's uh Brain, oh, extra long no. <laughs> oh no that would have that would have been bad also we had a weird lack of blaine in this episode now that i think about yeah, it yeah i was gonna touch on that kind of like way later because of how almost like unimportant it is and how i think you know for everything that happens it's so easy to gloss over that um next week yeah you'll yeah. be there next week yeah, but so this, I mean, I was dying as well between just the little clips, you know, of Robbie's faces and the things he's saying in the visions and everything. Um, the things he says after the vision. Yeah, and then to just, like, to the fact that Liv, like, all those scenes were so great from when Liv just can't look him in the eye to when they're, you know, down in the morgue kind of working back to back because she just doesn't even want to face him. Um it was amazing. I think that this was this was such a clever thing to weave into the story this season because one it actually has a larger impact and two it's just so hilarious. I bet Rahul had such a fun time this this episode. <laughs> yep. I mean he did post a picture of him holding the newspaper and be like this is begging to be photoshopped. And boy, oh boy, are there some good photoshops in there. I've seen like one or two of them that have made me laugh, but I'll have to go kind of dive deeper. It, you just go find the tweet on his on his uh, Twitter account and just scroll through it. You'll see all of the all of the things that Rahul is like a part of because he. Also, he's a gamer, so he has ties to Rooster Teeth, Fun House, Kind of Funny, mm-hmm. and just everything. <laughs> um, but, 
Yeah, so essentially, like, this brain, it brings a, a ton of great comedy to the table, just right as, as she digests it, pretty much. But, yeah. um, but I guess where this brain gets really interesting is, um, is we discover through, I, I, I'm kind of blanking on how they, the napkins came into their possession, um, I guess where there's just her little notes, kind of, with her belongings, but, uh, Essentially, they discover that Caddy had all these little notes jotted down on hotel cocktail napkins, and mm-hmm. that all of a sudden gives them a place to, you know, a, mo- a place to start with uh, the mystery of her death, and um, and it forces Liv to start traveling to this hotel bar. And uh, that was where Caddy spent most of her time, and we learned that um, essentially she had enjoyed uh, putting herself out there to other hotel patrons who wanted to, um, you know, hit on her and see if they could, uh, I guess, flatter her enough to earn a chance at sleeping with her. And that essentially what happens is what happens to Liv. She starts going to this bar, and at first it's, you know, based on, okay, well, I have to go solve this mystery. But she does it all on her own. She never, you know, they never show her go with Clive or anything, um, at least, you know, for the the bulk of uh, things here. And I actually didn't really... I was surprised. I didn't. That really didn't even register with me as much at first, um as probably should have that she initially just kept going back and everything or like was going without Clive. And, uh, obviously I know she started acting on her interest in kind of trying to be picked up or whatever, but, um, it's pretty interesting. It's, I thought it was very surprising to see how strong this brain actually hits live and how, you know, there's a couple of times she gets to the hotel door of these random dudes. And I think luckily the only thing holding her back is that they're humans and she can at least restrain herself that much to not turn anybody, um, unwillingly for such a selfish reason, reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, aside from the comedy, what were your thoughts on this brain and how it sort of like came into play? Uh, minus the whole absolute hilarity that came from this brain, it was interesting just to see, like, as you said, how strong it was and how Liv needed to break away from it every single time. Yeah. Until she eventually tells Justin. Well, she doesn't really tell Justin. No. Not um, yet. No, that's for next week. And uh, that's... I just, I'm just saddened by the whole thing. I know, and I honestly like, I really want to, I want to return to the the ending of, I guess where the brain leads later in the episode because of how much comes into play, like with Liv's actions, I guess. Yeah, and um, a certain somebody who yes may or may not have been the best choice, who may or may not be the reason behind a certain mm-hmm. murder. Yeah. Because this so, case is not solved by the end of the episode. No. It's one of those episodes that for sure ends on a cliffhanger because it is, it was supposed to be a two-part finale. Yes. From my understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, 
for me, I, I know that this is something Chris brought up as well, and I definitely agree with him. Um, I think maybe the one flaw within this episode is that it very, you know, it feels it's 100% like a part one. Um, Not just in title, but actually by content. Yeah, um, and I feel like, you know, they, I just feel like in certain areas they really kind of just, whether it's the writing or the story and the cliffhangers and everything, I think they just kind of, kind of utilize that a little too much. And I guess how much is left on the table, but I'm also, it also has me very excited because like you said, you know, they clearly have a plan and just how everything again, kind of ties together by the end of this episode. Um, I think it's, it's obviously going to make for a very, very jam packed finale. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a pretty intense finale and I just really hope, our main six, eh, maybe five. I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence about Blaine, um, <laughs> but as long as the core five survive this in the state that they're in, we don't need any incidences where certain characters become zombified or zombified again. <laughs> um, mainly because I'm pretty sure someone that had on the podcast will not shut up about it um i get random messages from him talking about <laughs> said things discussed on a previous episode oh, go boy. back a couple episodes and you'll understand um if that wasn't cut out uh, you left that in right um honestly i don't remember oh good god <laughs> uh, okay oh uh, <laughs> That was such a strange episode to record. Yeah. It's fun, but strange. <laughs> but regardless. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And um, and obviously, and I think that's another thing. Like, I'll, I want to jump into kind of Major's story throughout this. Um, because it eventually leads into what you were just talking about. And so... Poor Major, man. So this episode opens up for him, and he basically gets fired by Chase Graves, who puts, you know, Chase obviously is, has never been a dumb person, and it doesn't take him long to put together that this, uh, that Major's actions with Shauna, you know, prove that he's not human. Um, or he's just really good at self-control. Yeah. <laughs> Um, honestly, I think... I'm going to go with the, the former. <laughs> I think that this interaction delivered one of the... What I found to be one of the funniest moments, which is Major is able to stomach brains <laughs> as a human, which was pretty impressive. Well, he's been zombified twice now, so... But what I find interesting is, like, I, is even though... You know, he might have a little bit of a sense for, you know, what type of a taste he's about to ingest. We still have seen that with zombies, even though they know in their minds, like, some, you know, something like junk food, or like as we saw with Major when he was turned human again, he just starts devouring all that ice cream and everything. So even though zombies, I guess, know what this should taste like, and know that theoretically things like ice cream should taste good... Um, it doesn't to them, and uh, well, their taste buds are dead. So yeah, you know. well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so this is sort of the opposite. Like I was curious, you know, brains. Like even though 
he knows what they taste like, is that perception in his mind altered? Like, so he, you know, he thinks that they taste one way only because his palate was adjusted to have that be the only thing he found enjoyable or, uh, or tasty as a zombie. I think, I think he just took so little of a taste it didn't really matter. Yeah, right. I I mean, he, it's obviously not like he sucks the tube down or anything, but I just found it impressive that he makes such a little face that he does, kind of knowing what it is, knowing that he's eating human brains and he is a human now, and just however they must taste now that he's human and doesn't have that zombie palate anymore. Well, I think it's gooified to a point where it's just a yogurt. It literally is just like gogurt. So... I think that's how he can get past it. Yeah, it's a slightly weird taste, but the texture is slightly familiar. Hey, I regardless, I give him credit because to knowingly yeah, ingest well that. played. Yeah, exactly. Well played. I just major. thought it was so funny to see that he he was willing to you know go that far with the lie and everything, and uh, like you said, well well played. <laughs> Luxury brains for the top brass? I think not. <laughs> and um. But yeah, so he unfortunately gets fired, and I felt so bad for Major when, you know, when Chase is basically just, like, casts him out, just does not care, has no allegiance to Major, no appreciation for him, and his, uh, and what everything he did for Fillmore Graves as a zombie, um, and just to see him sit there, you know, and, like, beg to have a desk job, to have a non- military job and um yeah i mean it's still not confirmed whether or not there are still humans that we've theorized that chase might have done away with them but Mm -hmm. there's but without any confirmation in the show we will never actually know this yeah it's like it's like when characters die with quotes around them unless there's a body we don't know yeah and because he did like when major first um kind of presents that idea one it makes me think that inclined to believe that humans do have jobs at Fillmore Graves or at least because you know if he or at least under Vivian there were because they did at one point in time we don't know now yeah exactly like because under Vivian and then like so he basically confirms that and then Chase sort of Chase sort of pauses um before he denies him it so yeah it's complete wild card at this point um i i I guess his reaction had me feeling like maybe they don't anymore um but yeah who knows um and i thought i was like it, it didn't surprise me how chase basically i don't know he's so aggressive with him and almost kind of he just he almost makes major feel bad for going out there and like putting the other his mate you know the people major considers friends his fellow soldiers at risk um which is definitely true to an extent and you don't think of that because of how much you root for major um but yeah chase is just ruthless and you know kind of telling it how it is but i just i felt so bad for major in this moment because we're finally again we just see him you know he sort of had found a safe space 
space to lay low between having Shauna and having Fillmore Graves. It was sort of the best of both worlds. Like having Fillmore Graves gave him a place to escape to, so he wasn't always cooped up in the house, and it gave him friends who didn't judge him for um, the Chaos Killer stuff. And uh, and now he loses that. He essentially loses his family to an extent. Um, so it was a rough start for him in this episode. And um, But what I loved, what I loved out of it was that scene, the scene where, you know, he's walking out of the locker room with his bags, and the yeah. boys, the boys have his back, man. They don't care if he's human or if he's a zombie. They're they just, just more impressed, like, wait, yeah. you did all of yeah. this, and you're a human? Yeah. And I, I really, I loved that scene. I appreciated that scene so much, because I thought it was cool, because, like you said, yeah, it was one, their classic, like, mentality like soldier mentality of like oh dude like you have even more cred with us because of that like you but um but i just thought it was awesome to see that these guys truly care about major you know and uh and not just justin but the other guys um what's the one guy's name zach i believe and uh i don't remember any of their names to be honest i know the one guy's name is zach but i don't know the other guy's name because the other guy was zach stole I, that's the only reason I remember, because he had the same, you know, Vivian connection, I guess, or possible Vivian connection. But yeah, that was, you know, so that was a really nice kind of way to close that out, like that, you know, leave Major feeling like even though he lost his job, he hasn't lost his friends or his brothers. And uh, so that that kind of like immediately picked that up to me, and uh, and yeah, I don't know, I just. Uh, for how much we've seen Major recover this season and how great his story has been all the way through, um, I just loved that they still held that respect for him. Because even when he came into Fillmore Graves to start, you know, everybody gave him crap. He really had to adjust to that, like, soldier lifestyle and soldier mentality. But um, obviously, like, as we've seen through every single season, Major isn't a quitter. He's a hard worker. And, um, and I'm just glad that he had some long-term payoff for this one. Yeah, I'm just... <sighs> Man can never catch a freaking break. I know, because... With anyone. Because on top of this, not only does Major find out that his fear of sort of losing his family and his brothers is um, something he won't necessarily have to worry about, um, he also you know, finally gets a call from Natalie who returns and she's human again. And now the other woes Major may have had about, you know, possibly finding a girl who respects him and believes in him not being the chaos killer, um, that's solved too. Like, Natalie came back, the one person he connected with and saved and just always wanted a chance with. And uh, that made me really happy, too. Especially, I thought it was pretty funny when they got together and everything, you know, and she was like, oh, that's the first time, like, I've been intimate for however long. Um, but it was great. Yeah. I, I love their chemistry. 
I just like how she showed up to his house yeah. in the t-shirt yep. with him and Shauna on it. Like, that yep. was just priceless. <laughs> and then didn't she, I can't fully remember, but also I thought she dropped a line where she was like, oh, like, you'd really think I'd be, like, spotted in public with the Chaos Killer or something like that? Um, no. Like, jokingly as if, like, because she originally calls him and is like, oh, like, meet me. You know, yeah. and then she shows up. So I thought that was pretty funny. I just, I really love their dynamic and and how it's grown in such a weird way. You know, because like Major Chaos kidnaps her, gets to know her through that, and then um, comes through on his promise to save her, tracks her down, and everything. And then there's been all this disconnect that's been so unfortunate, but um, it was really nice to kind of see them together again and just getting to have like full normal conversations like that. Um, I don't know. I thought it was just like good. It was another, I thought this was going to be another win for major. We always think. And then as always, the show never lets a nice guy have a good moment. No. For too long. And I mean, it's, it's, it sucks even more because, you know, we get this progression, like, Major, there's that instant connection, you know, they sleep together, which has obviously been something that has been building to, just the connection that they share, and, um, and like, they're really hitting it off, and she even asks him to essentially, like, come away with her, right? I don't, I don't remember what, kind of, like, the specifics of it, but, um, I think she just essentially gives, is offering him that, another chance to start again, and start again with her, and, like, you know, he's obviously would be picking up and leaving, but at this point, it's like he's lost, aside from her, he's lost the only other thing truly kind of locking him into Seattle and everything. And uh, and again, he just seems so happy about it all. Um, he bring, you know, essentially they're, his boys from Fillmore Graves are going to throw him that, they're planning on throwing him that send-off party, and he's going to bring... Natalie with him, and then uh, I guess the plan was to hit the road. I mean, did you like? Did you get that feeling? Did you like? I don't know. I felt like Major, even though he got fired, it kind of like felt like things picked up for him again, and he seemed again to just be happy. Yeah, he was definitely happy, and he was about to like leave. Like he was going to definitely say his goodbyes to, you know, the crew because <laughs> he's like, I need to get out of here before hell breaks loose. <laughs> And I'm somehow caught crossfire because he technically didn't. I mean, he did kidnap people against their will, but that's really the only wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. And when they were all found in Max Rager's basement, he was sort of acquitted for it because none of them spoke of it. So he's technically as free as, well, that's where he gets mm-hmm. in that situation. It's that stigma that's always going to stick with him. Yeah. At least in Seattle. Cause we don't know if the rest of the world has actually talked about it. The yeah, chances right. are no. Yeah. I think like exactly. I think that, um, I think maybe because of how big of a company, you know, uh, Max Rager was like, there's a chance it got covered, but yeah, like, you know, you're, you really have to think on such a small scale, like 
how confined this actually is. Like, of course, everybody in the area is going to know about it. But, yeah, we don't know sort of the extent of the Chaos Killer case or how far it truly reached. Um, well, it did reach to the FBI, so it might be on a national level, but... Yeah, but exactly, but we don't know. In the, terms of, like, the, how much it was covered worldwide or nationally, you know, in terms of, like, media, and, and also just, like, I how... think the only thing that would have been covered is them being found in a international company's basement. Yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. So it's not even, like... And again, it's, like, you know, I feel like in this day and age, just with entertainment and scandals and things like that... Obviously, like, with just for how much goes on in the world and what we can assume goes on in iZombie world, you know, for anybody on the East Coast, it's not like this is something they'd probably dwell on. Like, they'd probably look... It'd obviously be a big story, but it's so kind of far away from them and so disconnected that we don't know. And uh, I think that's, like, the biggest shame is that Major sort of finally has this out and he has the comfort of knowing that no matter what, like, he'll be with Natalie, and she'll have his back, and, like, that's good enough for him. And, uh, it's pretty tragic. Like, Major's story is so sad. It's so tragic, and I feel so, like, I I love the character. Like, he just deserves, as we've discussed, you know, he deserves some good, some consistent good. Yeah. The only other story we have to discuss, I guess, is the whole Harley Johns incident. Yeah, and so that sort of leads us into... So everything sort of is, like, brewing at this point. You know, we we said, like, Liv sort of is MIA off at the hotel this whole time, and Major's about to get out, and and it basically all comes down to this uh, big moment where... They're all all the Max Rager people and all the zombies are at Major's send off party, and they're having a great time and everything. And um, and essentially, um, the only concern and that for Major and Justin is that at first um, is that Justin basically acknowledges Liv was supposed to be there, and isn't really picking up her phone and it hasn't been in contact with her. So he asks Major. And, of course, they go outside to try and get a hold of Liv and make sure she's okay. And what happens? Harley Johns. Full zombie. Full-on zombie. Clearly hasn't eaten as much as he should. Is at the party. And Zack Stoll, uh, all all the, the zombie bros essentially go to confront him, thinking he is... Somebody who just kind of wandered in for free alcohol. Um, And Harley, I guess, truly did not want to live life if he was not human. Opens up his shirt or jacket, reveals he has, he is strapped up with a suicide bomb vest on. Blows himself up, takes out the entire house. And presumably everybody inside. And at least right now, the only major characters that we know survived are Major and Justin. And and even then, I mean, I'm already, I already feel like I know what's up with the finale with Major because... 
zombies are a lot more durable than your average human and being that close to an explosion might prove fatal and Mm -hmm. even though this is the second cure we know what happened when blaine was fatally shot as Mm -hmm. a human he reverted back to zombie Mm -hmm. so major may have gone through zombie genesis once more yeah, and I was going to bring that up too. I think the one thing that ha- will have me very curious is they were not, they were very close to that house. And yeah, exactly. Being that close to an explosion, if the show is going to be realistic, you know, unless, if when you're a human, you're getting pretty messed up by that. And um, The Mythbusters have shown us this several <laughs> times over years of exploding <laughs> things. And, um, science. And, you know, this is where, and this is why I wanted to hold off on talking about Liv. So, let's go back to Liv really quick. So, Liv, basically, her, the brain she's on causes her to run into who at the hotel bar, Chase Graves, who tells us he's been staying there, um, whether he, that's just a front because, you know, they were actually tracking caddy the whole time or what whatever essentially it leads to live not being able to control herself anymore and she sleeps with chase graves this is probably <sighs> i was this is probably the most disappointed i have been in her and it's tough because this is where it comes down to how much of it was the brain and how much of it was actually live I'm going to say it was more so the brain, because Liv only really took control when she knew it was a human she was about to sleep with. But because she didn't have that sort of reaction with Chase, she might have not had that grip on reality. So, I normally would be 100% with you that it's the brain pretty much, and, you know, this was finally... The one time that, yeah, exactly, it was humans that stopped her from doing it before, and of course she happens to run into a zombie, so that, you know, that's kind of the green light for her. And, um, but what I thought was very interesting in this episode is that, um, as I wanted to mention, there really was no Peyton or Blaine in this episode, but the, like, two little tidbits we got with Peyton was when uh, Baracus offers her a job uh, to mm-hmm. basically, what, run his administration? Yeah, be his chief of staff. And Liv makes a comment to her about how essentially, like, Payton should seriously think about accepting the position and how it might be kind of good to run with being put in a, such a position of power and control. And I thought it was very interesting... That Liv basically made that type of a comment and told Peyton, like, hey, yeah, you should be a boss, kind of. Like, go run with it. And now, Liv, and then Liv runs into Chase. And I, I wonder if she sort of realizes, like, hey, basically, like, the king of zombies, like, the head of the, the zombie, potentially, like, the zombie empire is interested in me. So I'm curious. Like, I'm, you know, we, we had sort of brought up before the season aired and everything, that with this being exposed to this larger world of zombies, you know, would Liv 
kind of stick to her human tendencies and her personality and everything? Or would she kind of start to walk the line of that uh, that in-between? And I think that – so that that was the only thing. Like, I don't know. Do you think I'm reading into it too much? Like, I thought that was a little interesting, I guess, uh, in terms of timing. It can – it's probably it, – I want to say it's an interesting read on it. I mean, I don't think you're reading too much into it. I just think it's not the – it's not going to be everyone's initial read. No, yeah, it. I absolutely agree with you. But I so just, I wanted to at least bring it up because I thought that it was a very interesting thing to pick up on. Yeah. Um, and now that you mention it, it does seem a little iffy because on the, my initial read. Because the other thing is like the way, you know, when they first show her and Chase Graves sort of like – you know, in the booth in the hotel bar together, like kind of reading and making fun of like the other people around them and everything. I sexual fantasies or whatever. Yeah. I kind (laughs) of genuinely believe like Liv is having a good time in that moment. Like all, you know, brain aside. Yeah. And I, I believe kind of buy into like the possibility that she, at least in a little bit of a sense, like kind of, feels the attraction to Chase as herself because, you know, she finally sees him sort of in that non-Fillmore Graves setting. Like, she actually gets to see what type of a person he is um, outside him of work. wearing normal clothes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, oh, my God, he's wearing a T-shirt. But so these – those couple of things were the were kind of what made me question. Like, was I, like was her choice to sleep with him a little more than the brain potentially – well, I, you know, we'll find out more next week, obviously, but well, I, I wanted to put it on the table now. Yeah, I'm not the psychic I claim to be sometimes. <laughs> but, um, but regardless, why this is such an even more important moment is, ironically, Liv cheating on Justin is what saves her own life, what saves his life, and what saves Major's life. Because if she doesn't, yeah. if she does not go upstairs with Chase Graves, and she does not sleep with him, Justin does not worry. She, you know, that all three of them are having a good time at that part, that party, until Harley blows them all up. And, uh, but no, because of her tardiness and because of her absence, that's why they go outside. And, wow, I mean, like that just takes everything to the next level, because. I think it was another great just twist with the writing and the cause and effect of everything in iZombie. Um, I always think about how calculated this show is, and I think this is just a prime example of it. They're, the ability to make these already crazy situations like a lot more stickier. But, yeah, I found that very interesting because... It's just going to make things more complicated in a way. And yeah, it's especially because, I mean, this is going into spoiler territory for next week, but we know that Liv sort of has that conversation with Justin. Yes. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Yes. And we can, I want to talk, I definitely want to talk about that more. 
in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I find it, I mean, this is just such, again, like, the, the show just knows how to kind of wind itself up and, like, blow the roof off, um, in so many episodes, and that's on, like, an individual episode scale as well as the, like, long-term seasonal scale, uh, scale, because, again, like, this, we've taught, we, you, Chris, and I have talked about plenty of times how, since that first interaction with Chase Graves, like, that there has been that weird attraction there. You know, he comments on her dress. He always makes these little... He always says these little things to her. And I think that, again, hats off to the writers for just giving that little, little bit of tease. Yeah, like... We all thought it was just some strange fascination. We didn't think it was like a romantic or sexual attraction. Or that she would ever be in a position where she actually goes for it. Yeah. But, you know. Because we exactly. didn't know all the brains going into the season, so. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We only knew of like two. Yeah, no, and I think, and I think another, I think it was also, like, another, I think that's why, you know, when we started this episode tonight, I had mentioned how I didn't even know, sort of, like, what to call this brain, and I think that's, again, something that they, I think they did that on purpose, because I think they want to lead you to one, to, okay, you're, again, they're going to hit you with the comedy, but, oh, wait, we got some, we're going to lay some pretty heavy stuff on you by the end. Um, feels because my I zombie think, knows how to play with our feels. Because I think that again, I think you know they rec- I think they recognize that I zombie recognizes that its viewers are smart and people read into a bunch. So if they immediately you know label this like nympho brain or what I, like whatever you want to call it, um, I think people immediately jump to okay, well who could she sleep with or who could that lead her to run into? Um, and there's obviously only a f- there's only so many options, um, so I think that they shrouded that pretty nicely um, because they knew of the bo- the bomb they were going to drop by episode's end. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and um, and aside from this, the one other major thing that they sort of slip in is just more. They basically just fully, fully confirm how deep. Um, everything is gone, and I think they essentially in this episode fully confirm that Filmar Graves has been behind everything um, from the start. And we've talked about, you know, do they have this secret agenda to because they want Discovery Day to happen? But this all comes because um, Clive shows up at after getting some information um, from. Uh, other witnesses, I guess. Clive shows up to visit um, Tatum Weckler, and he ends up talking to Patrice. And what do we find out? That Patrice is the daughter of Carrie Gold, who is one of the right-hand people high up in Fillmore Graves. What did you dun, think? Dun, yeah. Dun. <laughs> and um. Yeah, so, I mean, how did you... What was your reaction? How did you feel about when this sort of happened? Well, when we were first introduced to Patrice, I'm like, you know, if she's a zombie, 
then like I kind of put the thoughts together like um her mom probably works for Fillmore Graves and I thought about who have we seen that is of a similar ethnicity and it's me jumping to conclusions it's me not really like objectively being about it I'm like it's a TV show you can kind of figure out if unless said otherwise they're probably connected in some way shape or form especially when they're zombies who may or may not be involved in one of the greatest scandals in Seattle history <laughs> yeah I mean exactly and um and I thought this was another little interesting twist because they essentially confirm uh like just how deep this is on all gone I mean I immediately think that um Carrie Gold has been you know in on the inside for Chase this whole time like I think she might have been the one behind uh having Vivian killed um, whether that was like Chase's order to her or whether she did it, made the call on her own. Um, they, you know, they talk about essentially, um, being on this plane and it's how, and how basically they traded seats with a man because all the seating got messed up and, um, and that guy mentions basically a man with a very loud dog, and we find out also through Liv sleeping with Chase that he has a dog. <laughs> um, so again, it's just like all of these little spider webs—they're all finally weaving together, and um, and yeah, they this goes so deep at this point. So. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking Fillmore Graves is behind at least 90% of this with a little bit of zombie truth or just dropped in yeah, right. to cause a little bit of hysteria. And I think it's and I yeah, I think it's 100% what I've been saying this whole time in that like Chase and whoever else is involved, but at least Chase is smart enough and calculated enough of a person where you know, he recognizes that Discovery Day is inevitable and as any kind of politician type person um, would respond, he wants to get out in front of it. He wants to be in control of the situation. So essentially, what does that lead him to do? Set all of this up and kill a bunch of people. Yep. They were, I guarantee you, they were monitoring the zombie truthers to see how kind of, um, on the trail they were. And as soon as they found out probably that, okay, they they guaranteed no like Wally and his family are zombies. You you kill them so that you can again lead Harley on even more things like that. You do little things like plant the brains in the dumpster and um, they want it to happen. And but they want but they recognize that when the truth comes out, it's gonna have to be in a way where the zombies are the sympathetic ones. Because if something happens and say like you know. Last week, um, Blaine or somebody like kills Harley, and uh, and that's more of what gets printed in the article with Liv's face plastered on it. Um, it makes zombies look scary and evil. Um, but you know, as the show the show dives into this great idea and all these ideas of you know like what makes us human and everything, and clearly these zombies are still people, but you know, 
obviously the majority of the public aren't going to care about that. They're going to react through fear. So Exactly. They're going to do what humans do best and ask questions later. Yes. And um, so, I mean, no question at this point, you know, Fillmore Graves has been behind everything. I'm excited to find out more about that. But I loved that the way they sort of kept Clive in this episode was by, you know, having him sort of dive a little deeper into that whole side of the mystery and not forgetting that the police is sort of tied to these cases. And also, you know, comedically keeping his distance from everyone. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to sort of add or touch on with this episode? Because um, I don't know if I'm forgetting anything. Well, I mean, Billy's dead. <laughs> Killed by Harley. Mm-hmm. And Harley was thrown into a freezer, Chaos Kidnapper style, <laughs> by none other than the Chaos Kidnapper himself. Yep. Um, Billy had it coming, and um, it was just funny that it was wake up, sheeple, and then they're dead. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And oh, we had Rachel come back and be like, "Hey, now that that's happened, can we still be good?" And Robbie's like, "No, I don't even know you anymore. Why? Go away." And she's like, "I'll call you and be like, don't." Yeah, that was a pretty funny exchange. Because um, I wonder if she'll like you know try to nag him anymore about that. But it was a funny, good way to kind of at least like close that out. Ravi and Major just have had the worst luck this season. While Liv and Peyton get to be in these positions where they get to do all this cool stuff. And then you just got Major and Ravi getting burned episode to episode. I know. At least Ravi had a little bit of fun this episode with Liv's facial expressions. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I guess with that, you know, we can jump into the synopsis and preview for the finale Um, everyone dies the end (laughs) so next week's episode obviously we've said this before is about continuation to um looking for mr good brain part one we're looking for mr good brain part two and um the synopsis for this episode is part two of two season three ends with live uncovering a shocking truth um, with far-reaching consequences, as a reeling major looks to the future, and Clive gets closure. Meanwhile, Blaine makes a business proposal. So, I find that all very interesting, because even without... So, I don't even want to... I don't even want to go into the preview yet, because I think that there's some interesting stuff in here. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I assume Liv uncovering a shocking truth with far-reaching consequences is what we just discussed. You know, Chase's planned, calculated plan for Discovery Day to happen. Um, and I think the far-reaching consequences are obviously, you know, everything that's going to come with that. Everything about just the Discovery Day happening, um, etc., 
I'm very curious about the uh, the major looks to the future part. Do you have any guesses there? Uh, Resombification. You think so? That's well, given given our Da Vinci coding of that scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he kinda got his insides rumbled a bit too much by that explosion. Mm-hmm. It may not be as noticeable of a transformation as, say, Blaine's was, because Blaine, you know, was shot gun a couple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think, I think Justin's going to be like, you know, we were a little too close to that explosion. Are you okay? Yeah. And Major might say, eh, I feel a little bit funny. I'm a little hungry too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's interesting because now, because I mean, as far as we know, like essentially, like Major's life and future were pretty were blown up, quite li- literally blown up in this episode. So I'm curious, sort of, uh, what that means, and I think that's what I'm most excited for in the finale every, is to see every season Major's been involved in some explosion or another. Yeah, very true, and um. And in terms of Clive gets closure, that line has me a little um, nervous, but also happy because one... Bazio's in the episode. Yes. And so, how about, here we can, let's dive into the preview also. So yeah, in the preview for next week, essentially like Discovery Day is full on happening. And um, the preview is sort of narrated by Clive in a way, like the way they cut his lines. And uh, mm. we, you see, like you said, Bazio is in the episode. She drops a line of basically, like, just straight up telling, asking him, like, what's going on? You know, like, I know something screwy is happening. Tell me. So, to me, I think that the, the preview is cut with um, everything, like, him explaining everything to Bazio. Yeah. Um, I just think that's the only logical thing. Yeah, but it, I've got nothing else to put into it. Like, yeah, so but she's so, she's got to know at this point. And so the reason that that line has me a little worried is because it says major or Clive gets closure. So to me, that scares me a little bit. In that it could just mean closure in terms of like he is able to, you know, finally be honest with Bazio. But the fact that they're using the word closure makes me feel like it's still not like it's still not going to lead to like them getting back together or her giving him a second chance. Obviously I'm, or you know, it could be him getting closure on the whole Wally incident. Oh yes. Right. You know, Oh man. Very true. Very true. Um, that double meaning right there. Yes. I think, okay. A hundred percent. He gets closure on that. Then, you know what? That's, I don't even know how I, I miss that. Very good call. But because you want, him to be happy with Bazio. Yeah, yeah, right. But um, but yeah, I think because, especially because of how you know when at the end of the episode before this one, at the end of episode ten, you know, with him having to shoot Harley and how he's so, as we talked about, you know, he's so just like, why didn't that feel good? Um, yeah, I think more than anything this season, Clive will get that closure on Wally and the family, as sad as it may be, which is uh, yeah. I'm, which is very reassuring. That'll good that he'll get. He is going to get that. 
But um, but yeah. So essentially, it looks like Discovery Day is finally here. Um, we, and as a display of this, it turns out, um, not everybody died in Harley's suicide bombing. Um, but Zach Stoll actually is alive. He was very charred and, you know, crawling. So I don't know if he was just like half a body or something, but. Oh, God, that'd be awful. (laughs) That'd be too much for a CW show. True. I'm just thinking to, you know, those like all the classic zombie movies and the zombie video games and stuff where they have like the crawlers. Yeah, that that would be too much for a network, <laughs> even a network as edgy as the CW. But we um, but yeah, so we see him at least crawling, still alive. Um, where two moms out on a walk see him. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, everything is finally coming out in the open, and the last thing the preview kind of really shows is that Liv. Um, we hear her utter the lie. We hear her, her uh, verbally admit that she sleeps with Chase Graves. I personally don't think she was necessarily telling that to Justin in that clip. I think, you know, I think they cut it really well where maybe she's telling Peyton or somebody. And the next scene is when she does kind of get into that confrontation with Justin because of the look on his face. Um... I don't know, thoughts on that? Uh, it's just not going to be good, and I just yeah. hope Justin makes it out alive. Same. Just for once, let one of Liv's boyfriends make it out of a season. Yeah, and it's a shame because, I, you know, even though I think he will definitely make it out alive, I don't think he will. they will make it out as a couple, obviously. Yeah. And, and you know, Liv has nobody to blame but herself for that. Um but yeah, I mean, I, if Major's a zombie again, <laughs> um, but I think that, that might actually, not be the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll actually be really interesting, though, is that this will be the first time going into a, uh, another season that Liv won't necessarily be grieving for an ex. Um, but I do think it will be interesting to watch her explore um, possibly being broken up with or losing a boyfriend to like normal means <laughs> yeah not having somebody be sniped or shot or whatever and uh, not having somebody be, be tortured and having to shoot them and on top of that I think it also I mean you never know kind of um, what, what, whether they obviously like Justin could still be very much a part of season 4 Yeah. So it could be very interesting to see how he sort of reacts to this as well. Um, But I just, I at least appreciate that the show isn't going, you know, is going to have her deal with a relationship in a different way (laughs) instead of something so horribly sad. And, you know, obvious to do at this point. And uh, and the last little part of that synopsis was just uh, Blaine makes a business proposal. Any guesses Which here? Which he's already done with Fillmore Graves, and they sort of turned him down. So mm-hmm. 
I think this might be more out of Chase's, out of necessity for Chase than it is yeah. for Blaine. Well, because, because we, didn't, you know, we actually didn't see them meet yet, right? Like, we saw Blaine their first, like, or, or I take that back, or worded that wrong, but we only saw that first meeting, you know? We never get to see them actually, like, sit down or fully discuss things. Um, and we saw him coming out of Chase's office mm-hmm. in the photos yes yep so we know that there's still going to be a meeting and like you said i think that this becomes again you know with characters like chase and like blaine they do everything out of necessity sort of like what can they view it as what can i gain from this person or what can i gain from this relationship so i think yeah at the time upon their first meeting obviously blaine has everything to gain from uh trying to befriend a person like chase but chase looks down upon blaine as you know this guy has nothing I need right now. But with, uh, yeah, like, with uh, the reveal coming next week, um, it's going to throw things into complete chaos, and all of a sudden it's going to be go time for Chase and Fillmore Graves and everybody. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting. For sure. But, um... I'm excited. I mean, it's this is kind of the moment we've been waiting for at this point. Um, yeah. Oh, it's going to be wild. Mm-hmm. For sure. But, I mean, that, um, that pretty much wraps up everything I want to discuss. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts? Anything you want to touch on? No famous musicians were harmed in the <laughs> making of this TV show. But we do still have a finale. I mean, no one's made any reference to any famous musicians, so... Very true. And I'm pretty sure there's no musician out there that shares Diane's full name either. (laughs) So, uh, unless that's a thing that I've overlooked, chances are we won't have any more musical jokes for me to make (laughs) come season four. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of sad, but, you know... It is what it is. Well, um, with that, I mean, I think that pretty much wraps things up, and we'll roll into some plugs right now. So, uh, Sean, what do you got going on? Where can everybody find you? I'm just on Twitter sometimes. <laughs> That's Snarky Sean. I mean, I've been morely retweeting Funko giveaways because I have absolutely no free time anymore um i sometimes write stuff for the marvel report i am actually starting to gather stuff for my san diego comic-con exclusives article the sequel to last year's hit article um there's there's gonna be a lot like it is ridiculous how many marvel exclusives are gonna be there really (sighs) did they announce them are they doing more pins i don't no, I'm going to have to look, but as of right now, it's a lot of action figures. Okay. Um, and a couple pop vinyls. One that, if you go onto Twitter right now, I believe Funko is doing a giveaway for their uh, Gwen pool with a selfie stick. <laughs> One. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for right now my other podcast is on a hiatus and i've got another project in the pipeline that really doesn't 
come to the light of day until, let's see, what are we? Today was, so that's nine, and there's how many episodes in that season? Uh, won't see it until maybe the end of summer. So keep an eye out on that. Um, I will be at San Diego Comic-Con. I will be pretty much cosplaying as Sean Spencer from Psych the entire con. Um, so be on the lookout for that. I'm not going to be carrying a pineapple. That's too much effort. Um, <laughs> it really is too much effort. They're kind of heavy, uh, especially when you carry them around for several hours at a time. And I don't get to eat it? Come on. Awesome. And also, you know, we'll be probably goofing around with uh, you and Chris. Absolutely, we will. I have no other room plans at the moment, so yes. the floor it is. Hell yeah. I mean, we'll have a good group in there. <laughs> hey, man, it'll be fun. And I've got actually an idea or two for stuff that I can discuss with you afterwards. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Um and you can find me, as always, at Blaze Hopkins on Twitter. Um, still doing comic reviews for the Marvel Report. Um, starting next month uh, and kind of towards the end of summer, I will eventually be reviewing um, Ballers on HBO. And um, I'm going to be doing The Defenders, and those are both for TVOverMind.com. Um, I also am happy to announce that I started my own podcast called, uh, Comic Convo, which you can find at comic underscore convo on Twitter. Um, I base, that's basically me. Um, I just want to talk about comics with all my friends. Um, Chris is technically my co-host, um, but that's because I've been trying to get the kid to read comics since um, <laughs> freshman year of college when I thought of this podcast idea. So now Jeez. with uh, how much I have enjoyed doing this, um, I'm going to fulfill that promise to myself and uh, utilize it as a way to just talk about comics with all my friends and people I enjoyed talking to as well as Chris. Um, so our introductory episode is out currently. You can find a lot of the links through Twitter right now. I'm still getting stuff up and running, but if you want to hear about just Chris and I's background, what I expect out of the show, things like that, go check that out. Um, I plan to have Sean be, I think, my first guest if uh, you know we can set up a date so we can find out. You can hear about us talk Power Rangers comics because um, that'll definitely be the plan. But, yeah, I'm very excited to kick that You're off. so good. Um, now I'm pumped that you'll be staying with us. I'll also be at San Diego Comic-Con, and I plan on trying to get um, everybody who will be staying with us, possibly like one or two other people, to read a bunch. I have some comics set up, so I want to do two kind of big group episodes while we're out there. Um, but, yeah, be on the lookout for that. It's just another fun thing I'm doing, so um, that's pretty much everything for me um be sure to follow chris at ckinger13 on twitter uh he reviews iZombie and some other stuff for tv overmind as well um check all that he does out. things on the internet yeah, exactly. you know and, like we all do and, uh, <laughs> and you can find us iZombie radio at iZombie radio on twitter uh iZombie radio on facebook iZombie radio.com we're on stitcher we're on tune in we're on uh, iTunes. Please go rate and review us. It would be huge. Um, 
and as always, we are a part of the Greater DC TV Podcast Network, which has too many shows now, um, too many shows for me to remember at this point, but it has so much. I great... can help you out in case you forget. Let so. me see. Let me see. All right. So we have a ton of great stuff coming out on there. We have obviously iZombie Radio, um, Flash Podcast, Quiver the Arrow Podcast, um, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, mm-hmm. Supergirl Radio. Um, there is a Gotham one, right? Uh, kinda. The I'll mention it later, but yes, I I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Legends, Legends of Gotham. Okay, Legends of Gotham. We have DC Cla- TV Classics, DC Films podcast, mm-hmm. Krypton, Black Lightning, and now Titans podcast. I hit them right. I know I'm not forgetting. Yeah, any. you you got all of them. And uh, unless, hold on, let me message Andy, making sure he doesn't <laughs> start any new podcasts right now. Okay, we're good. <laughs> but as always, you can find that uh, on dctvpodcast.com. There's a major feed and links to everything on there. Um, go check we it out. We just did our charity live yes. stream that Chris Blaze and I were not a part of. I know. Uh, that we was... had Andy, uh, Kat, and uh, Mike, uh, Michael from Quiver do our thing for us, and we greatly appreciate that, that they came on and talked about I zombie. I have yet to listen to it, so I don't know how it is. So, if that was your first episode of I Zombie Radio, we apologize. <laughs> we are not strangers. We are the actual hosts. Yeah, like how our first episode on the feed was, you know, the San Diego Comic Con pre-San Diego Comic Con mm-hmm. episode. <laughs> I was there. Yeah, but you know. But as always, a ton of great stuff coming out of there. Um, as Sean mentioned, we just came off a big charity event, which is awesome. Um, we raised we a did lot what? of money. Oh, we, yes. Some... we did better than our goal, so next year it's going to be bigger. Yeah, so once again, you know, thank you to everybody who listens and donated. Um, it's going to a great cause that we've really thought out, so uh, we appreciate it. But um, that pretty much wraps it up for us here at iZombie Radio. As always, uh, thanks for listening, and we're excited to finally talk uh, about the finale next week, so we'll see you then. Bye-bye.